Welcome to episode 74 of Friends and Film, a podcast that takes movie news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Mutants cast, a new lead for Bumblebee, some surprise trailers, and more after we review Wonder Woman. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man still searching for the mascara, Josh Straley. And I will find it eventually, I promise. Good luck. So help me. We are also proud to have first-time guests, and I think her first time on a podcast in general, yeah. my good friend and our very own Wonder Woman, Amanda Morris. Hello. So before we get into the Wonder Woman review, Amanda, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you taste in movies, and uh, what's been your background with everything. Sure. Um, well, I tend to be mostly a geek movie person. Lots of Star Wars and superheroes and uh, fantasy films, sci-fi, that kind of realm. Um, but really just anything that is an excuse to talk about how stories impact our lives. So, um, like Cooper said, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah, so, I'm really so excited as to I said at the top of the, of the show, this week we are reviewing Wonder Woman. We will dive into spoilers eventually, but we're going to do non-spoiler stuff first. Uh, once we hit spoilers, there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode, so you can skip ahead of that and get to the news if you want to avoid spoilers. But hopefully you've seen the movie, because I think there's uh, some pretty interesting stuff to unpack with the spoilers. But otherwise, we'll start with the review of Wonder Woman, and it's my week to start. And uh, I will kind of just let it all out there. I loved this movie. I thought it's it's been the best movie of the summer so far. Uh, I thought Gal Gadot was just terrific as Diana. Um, even like the young uh, kid who played the young Diana at the beginning, like she was great. And then just Gal, she was just so like endearing and sweet, um, very innocent in a way. But she just, I just loved her personality. Whether she was on the battlefield or just trying to figure out what man's world is actually like, uh, and I think a lot of that goes. Uh, to credit Patty Jenkins, this is her first time directing a movie in like 12 or 14 years uh, since she did uh, Monster. And just the way she kind of let this story unfold, she let it focus primarily on Diana, which I thought was really smart. They didn't have like a lot of necessary side plots and it just kind of let it be her story. She was very uplifting. Uh, and just kind of showed why she's like almost the perfect hero. And I think the one, uh, at least for me, that I'm kind of waiting to see in this DC Extended Universe. And I'm glad we finally had it. Uh, she was surrounded by a cast of really talented people. Uh, Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen. I thought they were both terrific as you know Amazonian, a- Amazonian general and queen, respectively. Uh, and then Chris Pine, who uh, I'm a big fan of from the Star Trek films and like Hell or High Water and everything. He was just so charismatic. Uh, they had him and Gal had great chemistry together, and the Steve Trevor Diana Prince relationship I thought worked so well uh, that it really was the backbone to the majority of the movie. And ended up having a couple of my favorite scenes were just them talking together and joking around, um, and like the jokes very funny. There's like a, a scene on the boat which is very funny. Even they're like they're really their first introduction after the initial battle together very funny uh and then obviously this is a super movie so we expect some pretty good action we saw it in the trailers and just when one woman's out there just whether it's with her sword the lasso the shield uh just deflecting bullets uh everything was just top notch and some of the best stuff i've seen in the dceu so far um i thought the movie was nearly perfect in the first two acts but then once it got to the third they kind of gave a, they kind of uh revealed who the villain was then and i had a couple of issues with that other than that my only real nitpick would be in the beginning of the movie there's some instances where you can like clearly tell when a cgi uh version 
of an actor took its place in an action set piece that was kind of distracting but only for a split second and then i was i was past it and backed in um the movie was like 220 i think and i was just blown away by how smoothly it all ran i didn't really ever think okay well they can cut this they can move past this it all felt like it was deserved and needed and you know we talked about i think uh, last week i believe that patty jenkins didn't cut a single scene so that's a lot of credit to her as well um last of the quick points uh i thought diana's just hope and optimism uh is not only what the dceu needed but just a friendly reminder i thought for myself um that you know the world can sometimes suck a lot but you know you just see her enjoying the little things whether it's seeing a baby or eating ice cream uh or just you know dancing or snowfall like all that stuff was just so genuine and it felt really earned that it just made Diana that much more of an endearing character and one that I quickly fell in love with, uh, even though I, you know, I liked her in BVS as well, but this just added so much to her. Uh, Themyscira, we started with that, looked great. I liked the way they told Diana's basically origin, how she was created and you know who her parents are and the, the lineage of you know the gods in the DCEU. I think it's the best movie in this universe without question. Can't wait to see more of her, and I want to see the movie again. Uh, I'm going to give it four and a half ticket stubs out of five. Josh, what do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. I have to agree with you completely, dude. Um, I absolutely loved it. The, uh, from like you know the very beginning when you have uh, little Diana shadow boxing with the rest of the Amazonians and um, you know aspiring to be them, it kind of like leapt off screen to me and was like, oh, I kind of want to be an Amazon warrior now too. And it was just, uh, it was a really sweet scene and uh, it was so incredibly well done. And like you said, um, uh, Gal Gadot playing Diana Prince is, is just, uh, it was such a perfect fit. Like her um, diving into the, the rest of the world, uh, you you buy it every time she comes across something that's new and interesting. And um, Gal Gadot's skeptical eyebrow that she has, like, you know, throughout all of the movie. I think it's it's practically legendary at this point. <laughs> it's a great piece of acting. Uh, and the, as for the story itself, I thought it was perfect. Um, you know, the first 20 minutes or so, it's like this Greek epic and the setup and character motivations are all there. And it has this mythos and the narrative. Um, loved it. Uh, you know, and then like you already talked about Chris Pine and how charismatic he was and how he fits so well with um, Gal Gadot and just, uh, you know, as the guide into the real world, which was fantastic. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, from a purely visual level, uh, amazing, probably the best that DC's done yet so far. Um, the cinematography courtesy of matthew jensen and like you know themyscira is uh incredibly well done like the colors weren't muted for the first time in forever which you know mm -hmm. really popped on screen and loved it um and then even like the bath chamber scene I, i'm so curious to how they did that because like the water is glowing and all sorts of yeah. fantastical stuff and then you know when they get to no man's land that's epic as well like that that whole thing is so so good um and, you know, I have to mostly agree, too. Like, uh, all of it is incredibly well done up until, like, the last half and when Diana kind of starts to realize um, man's true nature. And they introduce the final villain. And I kind of thought um, the general and uh, who the true villain turns out to be is kind of, kind of underwritten in a wash, and that's probably the worst part of the film. 
uh, you know, and I don't think I bothered me at all with some of the CG stuff that you mentioned, but uh, the movie lives and breathes with Chris Pine and Gal Gadot, and I think that's why uh, I loved it so much. And I'll have to agree with you, too, that I would give it uh, four and a half out of five ticket subs. Okay. Amanda, what do you got? I'm pretty much on the same page with you guys. I mean, I I really enjoyed it, and I went in with fairly high hopes just because I've been wanting the DCEU to be doing better than it is, and I think this movie did that. Um I agree with you guys. I thought it was a it was a really beautiful movie, which was cool after all of the muted kind of dark toned things that they'd been doing with Batman and Superman and Suicide Squad and stuff like that. Um, everything on the island and the first you know act of the film is so breathtaking, um, and it lines up really well with kind of the style of the Amazons. That was one of the coolest things to me, mm-hmm. is that they gave these women um, such a unique fighting style that they were you know, incredibly powerful, but incredibly graceful. And, you know, like Josh said, um, that really jumps off the screen almost literally in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie is how intense these people are. Um, And that really holds up throughout the whole movie that she doesn't compromise that, that that goes with her as she goes into the real world. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, One of the things I appreciated most was that she is kind of, she's naive in the fact that she obviously she grew up on an island she doesn't really know what the outside world is but she's not stupid you know Mm -hmm. it's not that everything has to be explained to her the entire movie you know some of the funniest scenes are um steve being surprised by things that she knows and understands (laughs) and those are some of the highlights um all throughout that he she's standing there asking questions saying well how does this work and what is this and then as soon as they assume that she's she doesn't know anything, she says, well, but no, and can show them all up. And I loved that from her. Um, the, other, the great thing, like you guys pointed out, um, with her and Chris Pine was that the romance story was important, and it really had a strong undercurrent throughout the whole movie, but it didn't feel like the most important thing that was happening, which I think would have been an easy room for them to go, um, given it's a a female lead and that's a easy place for Hollywood to take it, Mm -hmm. but they didn't, it was important and, you know, drove some of the emotion, but it wasn't the most important thing she was doing or that the other characters were experiencing. Um, and I think that really was a credit to wonder woman herself that they didn't focus on, on that element of it. Um, some of the other really cool things, is that it made a, a good connection to where we saw Wonder Woman in Batman versus Superman. Um, some of those initial scenes and then the, the ending um, really connected to how we saw her then and gave us a sense of where, she, where her character is going to go, why she's doing the things that she's doing, which I hope is going to be important for her future in the films uh, in the DCEU. So um, I don't think I'd go quite as high as you guys. I'd probably give it four out of five. But okay. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing the future of Wonder Woman in the franchises, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we know she's going to be back for Justice League, and mm-hmm. there's already talks that, you know, they're ma- they're basically already announced they're going to do a sequel, but, you know, it's not official yet, but, you know, Gal's going to return, Patty Jenkins is going to return to direct, uh, and we'll yeah. get to all of our hopes and dreams of, you know, the sequel, what we mm-hmm. want to see more of from Wonder Woman as we move forward. Um, but we'll move into spoilers here. Uh, first question I have for you guys, what was your favorite scene? Uh, for me, it was the no man land. Uh, that just, 
that I thought was easily like the best. Probably, oh, yeah. I think it was like ten minutes long. Probably the whole mm-hmm. sequence from when she gets out of the trench initially, or even before that, when she's walking, you know, through and she sees kind of how all this whole village is ravaged, and she's like, "We need to protect them. We need to help them." And you know, it was just her heart that really shined through there. And she's like, "I don't care about you know." you delivering Dr. Poison's gases, you know, I'm going to go and save these people um, by myself or you guys can help me. It doesn't matter. And just when she, when she just rose out of the trench and then just took on all the fire, she's dodging bullets. Like that was just so awesome. And then to see her go through, you know, that city and basically wipe out all of, you know, the German soldiers that are in there. And then to ultimately have it end with the callback from the fight on the beach where you know chris pine he like tells the other soldiers like hey get this thing and when i say you know lift you know lift it and then they did the i can't remember what they referred to it as but like they did like the amazonian move so then gal could like leap up and take out the last sniper and like she took down an entire building in the process and just seeing like not that it's just like a female superhero do that for like the first time and be like the big star of these moments, but just to see just kind of that felt like the, like the embodiment of what every hero should be to go out of their way to do what's best for everybody, regardless of how, how insignificant they may be in the larger picture. She saw, saw somebody in need and it's like, I'm going to help them. And that's why that, that moment I just, I was just smiling from ear to ear the whole time. Gave me chills. Uh, music was great at that point as well. Um, but Josh, what did you? What was your favorite scene? Oh, I definitely the opening. Um, I probably the entire training montage with mm-hmm. uh, Diana and Eniope, uh, played by Robin Wright, who uh, I absolutely adore as well. And just the entire sequence of events and circumstances around the training and how it progresses. Um, I just thought was epic because Themyscira is such an awesome place that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And watching watching um, Diana kind of be trained uh, all the way through there, like, you know, it shows off some of that awesome combat parkour that the Amazonians have. And um, all like that lead up is uh, definitely my favorite. All right, Amanda, what'd you have? Well, you stole mine a little bit because I was definitely <laughs> going to talk about the scene on the front. But... Um... Second to that would probably be sort of the combination of those two moments as Diana and Steve are leaving the island um, Uh and her mother finds them and she's saying that, you know, you were my greatest joy and now you're my greatest heartbreak. Finding Mm -hmm. that really, you know, kind of poignant and a really a good transition from what the film had been to what it was going to do next. And then it being immediately followed by all of those really golden scenes between her and uh, Chris Pine in the boat as they are (laughs) heading towards towards the real world and all of that going from really sentimental and, you know, feeling a lot of things to laughing probably the hardest I did in the whole movie um, in the span of a few minutes was, I think, a brilliant piece of storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, the boat scene was definitely, you know, my my 1B basically in terms of my favorite scene just because the, the comedy was so great, the back and forth about, well, do you sleep with women? Do you not? You know, then the whole, like, the 12 volumes of... Uh, anatomy and everything which is yeah. Yeah. so good and like that stuff i felt like we've never we haven't seen that so far in the dceu like there, there's been yeah. jokes and lighthearted moments but nothing that was like was laugh out loud funny and like mm-hmm. i know for me and like my the theater i was in like we were all laughing at like, the exact same stuff um, not because you know oh this is cheesy but this is legitimately funny 
And again, I think that just goes back to Patty Jenkins and the tone she put in this movie, the way she just kind of almost flipped the DCEU on its head, and not because it needed to, because, you know, I don't think the problem with the other movies have been the dark tone, which I think is what mm-hmm. Suicide Squad tried to correct. It's, you know, the way they treated their heroes, almost like anti-heroes. And this one, it was just mm-hmm. strictly Wonder Woman is a hero and she's going to do what's best. And, you know, she is innocent. She she has that charm, that sweetness to her. And that's why everybody's going to love her and then ultimately decide, I'm going to follow you not because you're like not just because you're superhuman and, you know, basically a god, but because we believe in you. And I thought that was yeah. a great message to send to. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no there's no way to talk about how well written um, those the basically from leaving the mascara to and all the way through London is. I think it's Alan. Alan Heinberg was the screenplay writer. And you got I have to give like all credit to him on uh, crafting those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Josh, any spoiler discussion you want to jump into now? Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty heavy one, I guess. And kind of my overall problem with the movie, which is mm-hmm. the villains. Yes. Um, and kind of like a hope of where I thought it should have gone. And it's basically like, you know, General Moeller and um, who we learn, you know, the great manipulator, Ares, um, in the end, are the, the two main villains, if you will, as well as mm-hmm. Dr. Poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I was kind of like turned off by that because I sort of felt like it was sort of anti, not anticlimactic, but um, it's always almost like a cop out to have somebody, you know, manipulating um, basically mankind when I kind of thought the whole point of it was that she's going to discover, oh, people aren't inherently good or well-meaning or as genuine uh, as, you know, her home on Amazon or on Themyscira like the Amazonians are. And Mm -hmm. so like when she finally... Uh, took down General uh, Luden, Ludendorff yeah. and realized, oh, these people are going to carry on with it because of ego, pride, and, you know, the dark nature that we have. Like, I almost thought it was a waste to then have Ares pop up and then be like, okay, I was actually, you know, giving everybody all these ideas for evil inventions and so on. And I don't know, that's where that's where sort of it lost me, but then the, the conclusionary battle was so epic um, that, you know, it, it got me right back on the train. Did any of you guys think that or have any issues on that part? I had less of an issue with both of them than I did with Dr. Poison, to be completely honest. Because I a little bit felt like it was almost a token character that they spend so much time talking about how, um, or showing us Diana not being accepted for being female. And then on the other side, there is this villain who is also a woman and is damaged in all these ways, but has all this power. And it felt inconsistent to me. Um, And it felt like, oh, because we have a female hero, we need to have a female villain. And she didn't really serve a super helpful purpose. And she felt anticlimactic, like that she just kind of falls in the end, that she's a pawn of Ares. And I think they could have made a stronger point had they either just made the villain the general um, and kind of let it be whatever that was going to be. Um, or, yeah, I guess basically just left the, the general as the villain and bypassed the Dr. Poison plotline altogether. But, I mean, it was an interesting character. I wasn't entirely mad at it, but it didn't seem entirely necessary to me either. Her resolution yeah. was definitely, um, kind of like just left hanging there as well because mm-hmm. Diana is, he, or she's basically cast out there as like, you know, the, um, 
the scapegoat, if you will, or yeah. you know, just like the this, the the token. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Diana puts it down, and then you don't see Doctor Poison for the rest of the film, yeah. and it's just like okay. I- it felt like there was more to her that they didn't tell us about. The fact that she has this mask and we they don't really explain it. And like maybe there was supposed to be more to that character that we never got to hear. And so that was just a little bit disappointing to me. Yeah, I know. Like the thing that the part, I didn't mind her as a villain or because I, I mean, we kind of knew, you know, if you if you, like you followed all the news and all the leaks and stuff that, you know, Ares was involved. He's, he's really the big bad. And so I was just kind of waiting for her story to basically end at a certain point and then to have the movie end with her just being out there from what it seems like because you know diana clearly doesn't kill her with the tank but she also doesn't ever she doesn't detain her um once areas yeah. is defeated then all like the german soldiers are celebrating so what exactly happened with her i felt like that was a weird you know plot thing just leave open-ended after you did spend so much time with her to then just be like, oh, well, she didn't kill her, but we don't really tell you where she is then. Yeah. So, and then with Ares, I think, because I, I, when we knew he was coming, I didn't really, you know, I didn't mind the final battle. Um, it was, a, I mean, it was a little weird just from the power sets that were involved because, like, Diana, like, he was constructing objects out of, you know, like, the other weapons that had basically been blown up, but then once she you know kind of realizes her full powers then she's like dematerializing them at the same time that felt like a little inconsistent to what she's done and like bvs and stuff um but i was really just more upset with the whole sir patrick general lindendorf aspect of it where they build it up so much i know they're just trying to make it be this big reveal and this red herring that you know oh sir patrick's actually aries but you spend all this time with General Lindendorf. He's sniffing that blue gas stuff. Like, how, like, why is he, why did he lose power? Why is he trying to regain his power? Then, like, he goes toe-to-toe with Diana. And I'm like, okay, he's clearly going to be Ares. And then when she stabbed him, I was like, okay, well, it's just going to be, like, this other body he has, basically, where the human body's dead, but now his other form is going to come out of that. And then to have Sir Patrick just, like, show up as a ghost, I was like, why are you here? You were trying to like have the beat, the peace treaty signed, like you were going for it this whole time. It didn't really make any sense to me. And then I felt like all of his scenes were just kind of wasted because like there's all this time with Lindendorf, which ultimately means nothing. Yeah. So it just felt like unneeded points at that time. So, um, the other thing that really happened there at the, you know, the climax, uh, we lost Steve Trevor. Uh, yeah. Were you guys surprised by that? I don't know if I was surprised. Maybe annoyed a little yeah. bit. <laughs> and just, I think, the way that it happened. One, I mean, I think we have to point out that all the similarities to Captain America. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole movie felt very similar, mm-hmm. which I wasn't upset about. Because, honestly, no. I love Captain America and yes. I love the first Avenger. So... It, it worked the first time. I'm not upset about seeing similar mm-hmm. plots. But seeing Steve go down in a plane again. And yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he went up, I guess, technically. He didn't, I guess technically. He didn't crash. He blew up in the sky, which blew up a plane. doesn't make sense because he had all that gas in there. And, you know, the way I understand yeah. gas is if you were dispersed in the air, wouldn't it travel yeah. farther? That's what I was thinking. I but. was very confused by that that choice 
Um, yeah. Yeah. But sure. I guess there's no other way really to to do that. Um, Maybe I mean, he just needed to be farther away. Because I thought he was going to go yeah. fly over some water. Oh, yeah, that's what I... I thought he was going to crash in water and it was going to be literally like the first adventure. <laughs> but uh, no. And then I was like, okay, that's just... That was a weird way to have him leave. But I did like the moment then afterwards where they showed... Because like initially when he before he goes, he like he's trying to talk to Diana, but she's like she's basically deaf because the explosion right. that happened before, and then you can't hear what he's saying. You're like, well, what is he saying? And then they ultimately bring it back and mm-hmm. show you what he said, and then like the "I love you" gave him gives him the watch. Uh, thought it was a really nice moment, but I was kind of surprised to see Steve Trevor go, especially if in a sequel they are going to stay back in like the 30s or the 40s or something you could still bring him in there and their chemistry was so good that i don't want to really see another wonder movie without chris pine involved yeah i guess i can i can i can definitely empathize with you guys is like annoyance by that um part of me didn't didn't totally get why he had to die so diana could like eventually take back you know take back the battle against Ares. that was something that i was kind of like oh is that totally earned um, mm-hmm. But of course, the the whole the, the sequence in the village um, still had me wondering, you know. But yeah, definitely was shocked to see him not, you know, parachute out like near the end or whatever. But I will right. say, Chris Pratt de- or Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, <laughs> definitely acted the heck out of his uh, his death sequence, though. Like mm-hmm. the camera just yeah. kind of ling- lingers there for mm-hmm. four or five seconds, and I was like, oh wow, uh, he definitely. At least in my mind, I guess that's how I picture blowing up on a plane. I suppose. Yeah, yeah you gotta you gotta savor those final moments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which I think that was something. A lot of those moments, um, there there were a lot of character moments where they did just focus on the characters and not so much, you know, the action happening around it. But to jump back to your point about, you know, was it earned or was that necessary? It was kind of almost like contradictory, like kind of that message they're sending about, you know. You know that it's. I mean, it is a very female empowerment type movie. But then ultimately, oh well, she can, you know, break free and defeat man because she lost one. Um, it didn't really bother me, but it was just something that was kind of interesting to see them deal with it in that way. And I think they could have done it in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I was most bothered by was the fact that she she talks about choosing love or something to that effect. Yeah. I remember the exact wording. Um, and I think she could have said something to the, more like I'm choosing to see good or I'm choosing to right. believe in humanity. I think she says, I believe in love. Maybe we say believe in humanity or believe in good. Right. Yeah. Because then it does make it feel a little bit like, oh, now I'm choosing to believe because I felt this love from this guy mm-hmm. um, who's great. And I thought the relationship was awesome. Um, but I don't know. I thought it could have been handled stronger. I didn't dislike it, but it could right. have been better. Yeah, yeah, it I almost agree. would have made more sense, you know, like you said, Amanda, if sort of it was a more of a look on humanity as a whole, um, as like with her travels from, you know, all good to, oh, this is kind of ugly to this is really bad to, oh, there's hope. And then, you know, finding a way to overcome that. Well, I think one thing that would have been really interesting to do there if they did kind of swap it out instead of just love instead of, and then for just one specific person, then do it as love for all humanity when she sees that, like she closes her eyes and like wells up for a little bit, I think it would have been, and then that I think that's when we get the the flashback basically to see what he ultimately said. But they could have swapped that out with like seeing her walk through the village. 
that was just destroyed and then have that be the moment of realization where I'm not going to let Ares stop me. Like I have to defeat him. Otherwise more people like Steve and like this, you know, this village of innocent people are going to die. And like, I think you guys said, like, I think that would have been a stronger message to send overall. Yeah. But Josh, I, I know one moment you and talked about probably, uh, we lost Robin Wright as well. Uh, oh, I instantly yeah. thought of you <laughs> as soon as she took the bullet. Um, what were you? What was going through your mind at that point? Yeah, well, I was so stoked to you know have her. Like, she's one of my favorite actresses. Whether she's playing like the you know the gentle viciousness of uh, Claire in House of Cards to you know uh, any of our other movies, and then like this was like a really cool role for her to like actually be um, vocal and out front and uh, totally badass. But yeah, like, you know, she sacrificed herself. So that gave Diana something to leave the island with. So I understood it had to happen or, you know, was could be integral to the plot. But yeah, it was definitely a letdown to know that she won't be around for any future uh, Wonder Woman or DC movies. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about last week or in our preview, I think she still could be involved with that that opening scene in Justice League. But uh, yeah, it is it, it is disappointing to not see more of her, especially since you know, all of her action scenes were so awesome. Like when she was sliding around on the sand with the arrows, like that was, that was awesome. Um, you guys, uh, Amanda, you have any spoilery thoughts or just any other thoughts in general you want to touch on? Um, I mean, I think we've kind of hit on the things that I wanted to, to address. I'm mostly just excited to see what this means for mm-hmm. her going forward. I mean, yes. I'm, it made me really psyched for justice league. That was my primary emotion at the end. Like, yeah. okay. Now I'm ready. Yeah. I had been nervous, and now I have hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, last thing I had was, I didn't really put it together, I guess, in BVS that she was kind of this antique collector, and to see her basically vault that she has of all these collectibles of like ancient, you know, shields and swords and other the- hi- historic pieces, there has to be like I I I, I guarantee if Wonder Woman two takes place in the past as well that there's some other relic that she'll tell the story of that relic. And that's how that story will unfold. Cause I did like kind of the, <laughs> like the way that they opened it in modern day, did the whole story, then closed it in modern day. I thought that was, that oh, was yeah. neat. Awesome. Her strolling up to the Louvre uh, like that. Yeah. That was like, I was like, Oh wow. This is like, where is this is actually modern day or what's happening yeah. here. And, and I was surprised that we didn't actually see Bruce Wayne because I was convinced that Ben Affleck was going to show up there, but then, yeah to like have like the confidence in your movie to not have to just force in a Ben Affleck cameo, another just, you know, thumbs up move for them. Um, Josh, do you have any other thoughts on the movie? Uh, I have one other thought and it's with uh, the character of, uh, Saeed, uh, Maui. He's the, yeah. he's part of that ensemble mm-hmm. that they assembled, but didn't really use at all. Uh, but was he basically making the first Nigerian prince scam in that bar? <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yes, it's kind was of epic. Funny. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, those are uh, our thoughts on Wonder Woman. Uh, first of, I'm sure to be many Wonder Woman films. Hopefully, all directed by Patty Jenkins. Um, actually, I would love to see her tackle Justice League Two as well. Who knows if that'll happen? Um, but since we do know we are going to get a Wonder Woman sequel, what do you guys want to see from it? I know for me, before I was saying I don't want to see another period piece, but 
after this movie, I like her being separate from the rest of the Justice League. She can do her own thing. You don't have to worry about, oh, well, how come you know Batman's not showing up? How come Aquaman's not showing up? She can do her own thing, and there's even that chance she could introduce, you know, these older, like, legacy heroes that eventually, you know, wouldn't be around anymore in the present day, but you can have these fun cameos that don't really mean anything for the, you know, current continuity. She can do her own adventures without really having any of that impact or having to worry about, okay, well, if I do this, what does this mean for Green Lantern? What does this mean for Cyborg? She can just kind of do her own thing. So I would like to see it in the past. Uh, again, I don't care where, but I'd hope it resolves kind of that ending of BVS where she says like she lost faith in humanity basically and she abandoned them um, so they can fight their own wars. Um, is I'm paraphrasing exactly what she said, but it's along those lines. And I want to see kind of how it gets to that point because this movie ends yeah. with her still very much being almost hopeful for humanity in the 1930s or 40s or whatever this movie takes place and you know i want to see what happens after that and how she ultimately decides i'm going to take a step back from the superhero stuff and you know let humanity and all this stuff play out for itself plus if they're going to look for i think they will do a female villain again and if it is uh cheetah which is a rumor that's been going around for a while uh I'm going to throw Jessica Chastain's name into the mix because uh, I think that'd be awesome. Yes. So, uh, Josh, what do you want for a sequel? Um, I Well, just another one to happen, that's for sure. Uh, right. I don't care past, present, future, but I do hope they keep it separate, like you said, from the rest of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. No cameos. Um, maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe telling another story or whatever, but I love, I love the idea of keeping it somewhat focused around like her grief greek mythological roots and kind of going that route so that way these movies can kind of sit on a shelf in their own little corner of the universe Mm -hmm. and not have them you know feel like some marvel movies where they feel like just another step in the cobblestone leading to uh infinity wars and Mm -hmm. such yeah yeah i kind of agree with you cooper i'd love to see her stay separate and stay in the past um i'd be really curious to kind of see her reaction to world war ii because right. they talk about World War One being the, the war that ends all wars. And I think she, she wants that. She wants that to be true, as mm-hmm. they all did at that time. And that I think that could be the connection piece of, I've given up on humanity, I'm going to let them fight their own wars, when she sees the devastation that comes from World War Two, And yeah. just seeing how that, how she would play into that. Because mm-hmm. she was so historically grounded in this movie. Yes. It's one of my favorite things about it. Yeah, because um, like... There was no moment in, like, this movie, not to cut you off, but, like, where she, like, you know, totally changed the events of World War One. Like, it still basically mm-hmm. ended the same way. She was just kind of involved. Where, like, mm-hmm. how would she get involved with World War Two and not, you know, be on the hunt for, you know, Hitler or whatever the case would be? Like, I, I, that'd be very interesting to see, um, especially then dealing with, you know, another World War so quickly after the first one. I think that'd definitely be a catalyst to let her take a step back from everything yeah that would be my big hope for that movie for sure and like you guys said keeping her separate keeping her connected to the greek greek mythology side of things i thought Mm -hmm. they played that up really well in this movie and they could do that again and give her something really special yeah i know there's an argument going around that uh and i i'm totally behind it that she should basically be leading the justice league in the modern day uh because if you look at Batman, he's still like this grumpy dude, no matter how you know, 
positive you may try to be at the end of BVS, but Diana, like in this movie, she shows that she can lead and gather forces and, you know, take on insurmountable odds. And I don't think there's any reason why, you know, if you're Batman and, you know, in that trailer for Justice League, like Ezra Miller goes, what are your powers? And he says, I'm rich. Why would you not let this Amazonian, you know, warrior lead the lead the fight like it makes all the sense in the world and i hope she has a super prominent role in justice league and everything else moving forward yeah it would be a shame after this movie where she gets to be so strong and central to put her in the back seat again yeah for, like i think that would be a huge mistake yeah and she she's definitely the least conflicted of batman and uh superman so <laughs> it definitely makes sense yeah so uh I think that's all of our thoughts on Wonder Woman and her future in the DCEU. It's safe to say we're all uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, me and Josh will get to some news in a bit, but uh, I want to thank Amanda for coming on the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself, and uh, we'll have you back on yeah. as soon as we can. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. So, uh, Amanda, where can the people follow you online? If they uh, so, well, please. I'm on Twitter at still at call me Maynard because my dad made a joke when I was a senior. So that's still my Twitter handle. Um, and yeah, that's probably the easiest place to find me. Perfect. So yeah, uh, go give Amanda a follow. If you enjoyed her thoughts, let her know. So that way she'll be uh, you know happy to come back again. And just again, <laughs> thank you for stopping by. Uh, we'll get to the news in a second, but that's it for a one room review, but we'll be back in a little bit with the news. All right, thanks again to Amanda for stopping by and giving us uh, her insight on Wonder Woman. It's just me and Josh now. We're going to get to some news that dropped over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been pretty light, but there's some interesting stuff to do as well, where we got our first trailer uh, for Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, yes, we did. And I um, I was surprised by it because it was much more dramatic mm -hmm. and like less colorful than I was imagining. Um, I thought something, you know, somewhere along the lines of um, Clue and a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. But no, Kenneth Branigan has taken this thing definitely a, a a, down a darker road. Uh, what did you think of it? I, I really liked it. I thought it was interesting um, the way it unfolded where they basically did like the one take down the, the single car had everybody's kind of you know little nicknames pop up like you know the professor or the doctor or whatever they were yeah um but i did i don't believe johnny depp was in that car right i don't think no i did see he's him. he's seen in like that oh, one he... flash before he it looks like he's like they kind of make it look mm -hmm. like he's the killer um yeah which by that <laughs> i don't think he is the killer because why would you make it seem so obvious then um mm -hmm. so i'm very interested to see how this plays out like you said as it has a all-star cast uh and i i'm a big fan of kenneth brana from you know whether it's the first thor or his cinderella <laughs> movie like both of them yeah really good stuff and to see him do kind of this mystery th thriller um i'm i'm sold already um, mm -hmm. but a surprise one we got this week really for me uh, I came out of nowhere I didn't really know I knew the movie was on my radar but I didn't really know anything really about it it's Logan Lucky uh, <laughs> Steven yes. Soderbergh uh, director of the Oceans movies with uh, Channing Tatum Adam Driver uh, a bunch of other people in there as well this movie looks so fun and then Dan like Daniel Craig in the prison mm -hmm. hilarious 
Uh, I'm a big fan of Ocean's movies. Yeah. I haven't seen Soderbergh's Magic Mike movies, but uh, if they're anything like Ocean's, but with like male strippers, I guess, then like it'd probably be hilarious and fun, but uh, I probably won't ever watch them. But as far as Logan Lucky goes, I'm sold. I can't wait. I think it comes out in like September or October or something, and I- I'm going to be there. I'm already sold. I don't, I don't even need another trailer. It looks like Tatum and Driver have great chemistry together as the brothers, but are kind of dumb. And to see them steal, like do a heist at a NASCAR race, like that's yeah. something I've never seen. Uh, it's very unique, and I have all the faith in the world in this project. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen Contagion or Side Effects, those are also two of his movies. Ooh, I did not uh, like Contagion. Okay, that that that's that's but, that depends on your taste. I hear you. I thought um, it, but there yeah, was no ending. Just what's that? There was no ending. <laughs> it was just kind of like it was all this build up, and then like it just kind of like it just kind of ended. I felt like. Oh, but it doesn't like instill fear in you about you know um, diseases or anything like that. No. Okay, that's fine. But like, listen. Um, we talked about an all-star cast in like Murder on the Orient Express, but this is an all-star cast itself. Like uh, this is more of an ensemble deal than um, you can maybe argue that Murder on the Orient Express is. Hillary Swank, Channing Tatum, Daniel Craig, of course, Katie Holmes, Adam Driver, Seth MacFarlane, Catherine Watterson, and Sebastian Stan, all doing like Alabama accents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it was it was awesome and hilarious, and yeah, I. I agree with you. Um, I knew Soderbergh was working on something new, but it would, didn't make my list of anything for this year uh, because I just didn't know what to expect of it because I figured maybe he was going his contagion route and it would be something that was good but not, you know, must-see must see cinema for this year. And this looks like, oh, man, this and Baby Driver have popped up mm-hmm. now and are really looking to entertain the heck out of me uh, this summer and fall so yeah, yeah it, it looks fantastic it comes out i believe in like september or something so when we do our end of the summer you know look ahead to the rest of the year i think it's it, it could definitely be in my top 10 most anticipated for like september to december mm-hmm. i hear you um but we also got news going back to the dceu for a little bit on aquaman uh not the next dce movie but the one directly after um from producer Charles Roven, who told Cinema Blend that Aquaman will not take place in the past like Wonder Woman, um, but it will actually follow up the events of Justice League, build off those events, and take place, you know, in the modern day, which I think is a great move. Yes, it's a, I mean, perfect idea. Uh, especially because, like, if Aquaman's kingdom is going to get, like, you know, thrown into chaos, it's going to be when people learn about their existence. Mm-hmm. So, um, him coming home to you know a civil war or you know fraying tensions and things like that, it makes a lot of sense for uh, James Wan and Jason Momoa to take the movie in uh, somewhere um, you know where discourse wouldn't be totally unified because now there are geopolitical consequences, whereas right. before there was only the ocean. So, uh, yeah. Of, that movie the movie i can't wait for this just because the visual effects is going to bring to mm-hmm. light yeah i mean not to like i don't think wonder woman directly has an effect on aquaman or the rest of the dcu for that matter but you know after building off what was such a great movie in wonder woman to then my excitement for us the dcu has only been heightened 
And mm-hmm. if James Wan can do his own thing the same way Patty Jenkins it was able to do her own thing, then yeah, I think Aquaman could be a really big hit uh, in 2018. But uh, something else we're getting in 2018 is the Bumblebee spinoff movie because you know the Transformers universe just needs more movies. And Variety is reporting that Haley Steinfeld is in talks to uh, star in the female lead. They could not give any uh, character details at the moment, but the Hollywood Reporter could, saying she is a tomboy mechanic who I'm guessing then ends up fixing Bumblebee in some way or being at least his caregiver. Uh, as a huge fan of Haley Steinfeld, whether it's from you know True Grit, Ender's Game, uh, Edge of 17, Pitch Perfect 2, she's been killing it in the last couple of years. And having her lead her own franchise, basically, I think is cool. Uh, the movie may be terrible because it's a Transformers movie, but it also has the Kubrick <laughs> 2 Strings director, Travis Knight. Mm-hmm. So at least they're giving new and different talented people. Uh, and they're bringing those people involved, which hopefully can make for a great standalone Bumblebee movie, even though I don't really need one. How dare you suggest that... Um the Transformers universe doesn't need another movie. <laughs> I, t- I detected that sarcasm, but uh, yeah, we apparently we have Christina Hodson too mm-hmm. writing this movie, yes. and she's been a hot name in Hollywood for uh, last year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. So she's crushing it too. And like you said, Haley Steinfeld, yeah, from her movies, um, I'm getting gonna get to watch Edge of Seventeen sometime this weekend. But yeah, Pitch Perfect Two and soon to be Pitch Perfect Three. Uh, did you mention Barely Lethal too? Which is a good movie uh, with her in I it don't as well. I think I've seen that one. On Amazon. Definitely check What's it out. It? Who's who uh, else is in it? Uh, it's not the uh, Vince Vaughn one, is it? I think it is. Oh. Is Vince Vaughn in that? I, Vince Vaughn oh, is I remember seeing a trailer for a Vince Vaughn Hayes Steinfeld movie and just thinking that looks dumb. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I like Hayes Steinfeld, but I I don't know if I'll watch that one. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But um, it's yeah. Uh, okay, where was I? Oh, anyway, yeah. Th- I think this is a great idea. She, I mean, her music career is also doing really well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm digging her tunes all the time on Spotify. So <laughs> if she's a hiring actress to uh, lead the next generation of Transformers movies, you're definitely going to draw a crowd with her because she's as popular as ever. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the X-Men universe, uh, we got basically the final cast for New Mutants this week. Uh, Thanks to a couple of confirmations plus new reveals as well. Uh, First was The Hollywood Reporter revealing that Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things uh, is in talks to play Cannonball. Uh, basically the lead of the team. Those talks will most likely close. It just hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, then it was also revealed uh, by the Hollywood Reporter. They confirmed what we talked about last week, that Blue Hunt may be in discussion for the role. Well, she was, and now she is officially signed on to play Mirage. Meanwhile, Tracking Board confirmed that Henry Zaga will be playing Sunspot. So with Henry Zaga, Blue Hunt, Charlie Heaton, Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams. We have basically five unknowns leading a dark horror-esque X-Men movie with no costumes, no superpowers, no villains. I think this is. I think this could be really, really special, and I'm I'm on board. I'm on board for Charlie Heaton. I liked him in Stranger Things. I'm not familiar with the other two, but they fit the mold of these characters, so I'm on board in that aspect. Yeah, I. 
I can't say um, I know anything about the girls there, but yeah, Charlie Heaton does a fantastic job playing like a socially awkward brother in distress uh, throughout Stranger Things, which is very much, you know, it borders the horror, horror genre and if the, not the Russo brothers, but the, whatever those guys' names are, the direct Stranger Things, oh, <laughs> that, that uh, team. The, the Duffer brothers. Um, the Duffer brothers, thank you. I, there's so many pairs of directors <laughs> Yeah, there's there too now. many brothers. But they're saying that they're they're turning this season towards horror more. So Heaton's definitely supposed to, you know, he's on par for that kind of thing. And yeah, I'm definitely down for a new mutants in a totally new direction for Fox. Loving it. Yeah. Um, moving on to the MonsterVerse. Uh, Variety revealed this week that Silicon Valley star Thomas Middleditch has joined Godzilla 2, King of Monsters. Meanwhile, The Hollywood Reporter revealed that Bradley Whitford has also joined uh, I don't think any details on either of the characters have been revealed as of yet, but one interesting thing from the Middle Ditch casting was he had a role in Kong Skull Island as a voice of Jerry. Do you think that this could, if do you think he could be playing the same character? I don't think it's very likely, but uh, do you think that there's a chance that this movie could be a prequel to Godzilla? King Kong... No, I don't think so. Ma- mainly because, uh, oh wait, no, yeah, so this Island. is Godzilla two. Yeah. Okay, right. You think this is a prequel to Kong Skull Island? Uh, well, Possibly. I think it's a prequel to Godzilla, set around that same time period of Kong Skull Island. Hmm, it could maybe. be. I don't necessarily buy into it completely, but the fact that Middleditch did have a voice role in Kong Skull Island and then is cast in the other movie is interesting even though i'm pretty sure he did the other role of jerry just as a favor to um director of Conquer island jordan vote roberts who they worked together on uh, one of robert's previous movies yeah i i would say it's that more than it is anything else and then this time around it's just universal realizing silicon valley has never been more popular i mean tj miller's already exiting the series Ah, so so thomas middleditch is uh, i yeah okay i'm gonna use it to talk about that that is like the worst (laughs) thing to have happen it's great for tj but that show is gonna yeah it's gonna it's gonna lose something it's gonna it's it's not gonna be the same as when steve carell left the office but Mm -hmm. they're they're both those huge characters like you know, literally they are yeah. big characters in there, but also just their personalities are so important to the shows where, yeah, losing TJ Miller is terrible, but I'm excited to see Thomas Middleditch step into Godzilla 2 plus Bradley Whitford, uh, yes. who coming yes, off of yes, Get yes. Out. And, you know, we also saw Megan Levy earlier this last week. Uh, he's mm-hmm. great in both of those and everything else he's done in the past as well. Yes, and the, the West Wing alumni, um, if you don't love Bradley Whitford now, Cooper, which I think you do, you'll watch West Wing and then just be even more endeared to the guy. So, And he's coming back, which is great because uh, I'm a huge fan of him. So did both great castings. Yeah. Then the other thing in the MonsterVerse we got was also the Howard Reporter revealing that Adam Wingard is set to direct Godzilla vs. Kong. Ooh. Which um, doesn't really mean anything to me, honestly, because I haven't seen any of his movies. <laughs> You've not seen your next? No. I know it's, his it's a- it, his big one from what I've understand is The Guest with Dan Stevens, um, which I've been meaning to get to for a long time, but I don't think it's on it's not on Netflix, it's not on Amazon, so I just have to find an avenue to watch it and then I will. 
Sure. It's okay. Um, but your I think your next is my favorite because that's like it's a home invasion film and those terrify me more than anything. But uh if he's ready to lead the the battle of the century, then let's do it. Yeah. So that's it for the main news. We have a couple flyby stores we're gonna breeze through here at the to end the show. Uh starting with Top Gun Two, which is actually happening and actually called Top Gun Maverick. And reportedly from Variety, Joseph Kaczynski is the front runner to direct. So, what do you think of Top Gun Maverick? Well, they're getting the band back together, and why calling it Maverick? Um, I'll far from me. I mean, it's just kind of Top Gun is synonymous with that, so it like kind of feels like a rehash. (laughs) But uh yeah let's go for it yeah i mean i'm not i'm not opposed to it uh i'm not you know over the moon about it either so it's kind of neutral but you know tom cruise uh the common phrase is can't lose with cruise uh even though i know you're not a huge fan of him but uh we can (laughs) just think he's overdone (laughs) and we're gonna get to one of his movies next week but uh before we do that last couple things in the flyby uh sam mendez according to deadline is in early talks to direct the live-action Pinocchio uh, at Disney. Ooh, I I am totally on board for this. Yeah, I'm I, digging it. I mean, Sam Mendes, great director. Uh, Disney doing a live-action remake doesn't surprise me at all, since they're doing it with everything. And if they can get Sam Mendes to do it, I think that's a great pairing. So, I just see no Amer- him for coming from American Beauty makes yeah. total sense. Um, but from Spectre and Skyfall, like that is like a hu- huge shift uh-huh. from you know direction uh, directions. But he used to be a stage director, so perhaps you know um, since Pinocchio is much more of a heartfelt uh, connect with the audience type thing, then that that's why he's uh, heading that way. Yeah, and since you mentioned American Beauty, maybe Kevin Spacey as Geppetto. You never know. Oh. That would be epic. That'd be awesome. Have Kevin Spacey and everything. And everything, that's yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm so probably one, another one of the reasons I'm so excited for Baby Driver. Yes, but yes. Um, but totally unrelated to either of those things, Resident Evil, which just had the final chapter come out, I believe, earlier this year. Uh, the mm-hmm. it's Mila Jovovich is franchise, correct? Yep. And then the Kate Beckinsale's is the Underworld one. I always get those two mixed right. up. But Resident Evil. It's getting a reboot, even though it just ended. And it's going to have six movies uh, produced by James Wan, according to Deadline. And it's probably going to be like one of those um, combination films where it gets its work with the Chinese studio and mm-hmm. such. So it's going to be, you know, definitely a worldwide blockbuster again, like the previous six. But I love this idea just because I think Resident Evil was a franchise that didn't get done justice Mm -hmm. on this silver screen mainly because it was popped up in the air of you know what's in you know um make a ton of movies fast but if james wants behind a project i i'm always looking for it yeah i want to know how involved he is as a producer if it's just like james wan is a producer but he's not going to do anything then it doesn't mean anything to me but if he's like actively involved in the development of it um looking at the scripts, going through casting, making sure they have a good plan for six movies. I'll be more confident, but again, I don't need you to announce you're making six movies. Just make one and then announce a sequel and announce another sequel, another sequel, another sequel, another sequel. Just yeah. stop Baby it. Baby steps. Um, 
And another sequel that we may or may not be getting, it really depends, uh, is Baywatch 2, which, uh, according to Variety, will go uh, overseas. So I know you had a chance to check out Baywatch last week, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Do you want to see a sequel? What are your thoughts? Yeah. uh, Speaking of, I didn't know this, but this was also another international studio collaboration thing. Uh, But yeah, I I, I did like it. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't incredible. It wasn't what I would call a, cl- a cinema classic right. or anything like that. But the, the Rock is—he—he uh, he has infectious charisma. Zac Efron as well is charismatic and fun. Um, but yeah, totally, I'd be down for it. Especially if they, you know, incorporate. I want to see them have David Hasselhoff in it a little mm-hmm. bit longer. But other than that, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want a Baywatch too, so they can do whatever they want with it. I don't really care. Uh, You're not going to spend your money on a ticket. I didn't, I didn't like the movie. I didn't spend my money on a ticket the first time, and I didn't. I felt like I wasted my money, but I didn't spend any. So. Oh, okay. I disagree, but uh, there, it just was. I didn't find it funny outside the first ten minutes. Everything else was just roll my eyes. They made terrible, like just childish jokes that didn't land with me. Yeah, yeah, it much it turned it tried to balance between rated R Zac Efron funny comedy that you know you've been dealing with before, and then it uh, tried to be like action movie The Rock Johnson, and you right. don't quite get best of both worlds. But yeah, it worked for me. Okay, well we uh, we'll disagree on that one. So uh, <laughs> that's all we got this week. Next week we're going to be reviewing a Tom Cruise movie in The Mummy. Oh yes. Last Tom Cruise movie didn't go over well no, with you it or was, I. It was very terrible, actually. So hope I'm I'm hoping this is going to be much better since it is the start of the Dark Universe. Uh, I believe in it. I really like Sofia Boutella. You also got Russell Crowe. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see about this one. Yeah, same here. Um, I'm going to give it a chance, but you know. We'll see if it's just a horror flick, you know, with jump scares and things like that, or it's actually, you know, a tightly scripted action movie with a great narrative. Yeah. So uh, that's all we got this week. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, you can have it on iTunes give us a five star review with comments. Uh, during time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts. Everything covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. Receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And as Amanda said before, uh, when she was still with us on the podcast, uh, you can follow her at Call Me Maynard, I believe is how it was pronounced. Uh, you can go back and listen to her say it. But again, thanks for having uh, joining us, Amanda. Hope you guys enjoyed her. We'll hopefully have more of her moving forward. That's all we got, Josh. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film Podcast. Be sure to next week for a review of The Mummy.